The Dragon Reread is brought to you by the Armadillo Podcasting Club. Did you know the pink fairy armadillo is the smallest living armadillo species and it typically weighs about 120 grams? That's not to be confused with the pink fairy armadillo, F-E-R-R-Y, which are the best swimmers of all armadillos, or the sink fairy armadillos, which are the worst swimmers. (laughs) (laughs) I did not know that. For more armadillo facts, to unlock bonus content, and to find out how you can access episodes a day early, check us out at patreon.com slash armadillopodcastingclub. Time turns and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become podcasts. Hello there, welcome to the Dragon Reread. We're rereading Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series of fantasy novels. I am Jeff Lake. I'm Alice Sullivan. And I'm Michael Sparkman. And today we're covering chapters 9 through 11 of Crown of Swords, book 7 of the Wheel of Time. Previously, Rand opposes a rebellious pretender to the Kyrian throne and exiles her to a faraway farm. Rand's like, You guys, I told you I was saving that seat for my girlfriend. Not cool, bros. <laughs> <laughs> then Rand pops over to Camelin, where he devises a ridiculous and elaborate plan to sneak into the palace and avoid his girlfriends, only to learn that they aren't actually even there yet, which is super smooth on his part. Camelin <laughs> uh, seems fine, though, so I guess that whole side quest was kind of a wash. Uh, Egwene, not having the ability to teleport entire armies around, is having to trudge across the world the old-fashioned way. Uh, that seems like a situation where maybe her buddy could lend her a murder wizard helper, but, you know, whatever. Uh, but we do see Malgideon escaping again, which, I, you know, I kind of feel like we probably could have passed on that particular replay. Uh, but there we have it. Uh, oh, also, we get to see the fruition of like a thousand pages worth of slow buildup. Uh, that's right. Fayil and Perrin finally make up in bone. <laughs> we're all waiting for. Chapter nine. A pair of silver pike. So I guess Swan Sanchi's going to be in this chapter. Yeah, I this was is... excited when I read the title. <laughs> this is definitely a, a swan, uh, swan metaphor. The icon of the flame of Tarvalon. So Egwene, who's sort of panicking because, you know, the ancient evil murder wizard that has a grudge on her has escaped from yeah, her wizard slavery. Who she's been using as a wizard battery for like a month or something, or, or maybe longer. Yeah, Keeping right. her as a prisoner and... Yeah, she escaped. Her, yeah. Uh, she summons Swan and Leanne. Yeah, a little uh, sister huddle. To have a little, a little panic with each other and they're like why did you summon us you know this is a big mistake and when she tells them what's up they're like okay yeah yeah let's panic <laughs> and then, like the thing is it's like there's really not much to be done about it they're just kind of hosed you know like yeah. Mogedian's gone and you're not like they, they caught her in sort of a a fortunate twist of circumstance right it's not like they're getting another chance like that probably well also now that Nynaeve is gone as well yeah it's yeah. a good point Nynaeve is the only one with the juice to take on a Forsaken it's true. Um, Egwene sets Swan and Leanne and uh, various other people investigating Mogadian's disappearance. But Swan's kind of like, up. what's the point, right? Yeah, right. They, these people teleport around and she can change her appearance and go into the dream world or whatever. She might still be here. <laughs> we wouldn't know. <laughs> I love that at one point uh, Egwene says that stealth and cunning were still her major strengths. And I was like, no, I think you mean spying and lying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what? Spying and lying has a much nicer ring to it anyway. She should stick with that. Mm-hmm. Like a motto, you know? Spying and lying. <laughs> <laughs> the little tower is, we find out a little bit more, they're using traveling and skimming to spy on people, speaking of spying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're not using it to transport their army. I was wondering about that. because they, So they do have the ability to do these things. They say, 
Maybe it's a, a strength of power kind of thing. Yeah, but they have enough people to do it to go out and, and do spying in, in the world. Yeah, I just wonder if yeah, I'll, I just wonder if we could avoid all these travel chapters but somehow. It is pretty yeah, that'd be nice. It is pretty clever of them to do this. This gives them a big advantage over the the White Tower. Yeah, even if you can't move your army around, moving information around at that speed is again a huge strategic advantage. Yeah, uh, uh, but for some reason, Egwene still has limited information about the negotiations with Rand. She doesn't even know about the the captivity or whatever. Which I think is really interesting because she has all these like these plans and these like, these predictions, and it's just like you're gonna be. Real disappointed. Yeah. You got some real bad news coming, because she is behind on the latest dragon gossip. It's a little frustrating. This is the thing we've talked about, where they should just write a letter or something, because her plan is to force him out of Camelin so that Elaine can take the throne, which is kind of matches up with his plan, which is to leave Camelin so Elaine can take the throne. Like, these people are on the same page. Yeah, they just need to talk to each other. And, and it's, it's, as you said, a little frustrating, because Egwene is even thinking to herself... I uh, I could just go talk to him. And she's like, no, they won't let me do that. Yeah. Well, and another thing, too, she reminded us of a little later on is that Rand has also figured out how to steal himself away from everybody else in Teleran Riyadh. Or yeah. in his own dreams, he can shield them. So that's another mode of communication completely cut off. Yeah, that's yep. true. But then again, I mean, even if Egwene could talk to Rand face-to-face, their trust, his trust of any Aes Sedai, including Egwene, I suspect... It's kind of fucked right now, so I'm not sure even talking would necessarily solve much. Yeah, probably not, but it, it seems like they could they could use a sync up <laughs> at some point anyway. I agree, absolutely. But yeah, there's this, I guess there's some obscure tower law that says the Amarlin seat can't ever put herself in danger without the, the halls okay, and she can't get the halls okay because they don't like her very much or, you know, whatever. Yeah. They don't want her to go talk to Rand because they, I guess they think that would... They lose some leverage or something, right? I think Robert Jordan has written himself into a bit of a hole here, mm-hmm. where now all of these magic-using main characters can teleport. Mm-hmm. So there's not a whole lot of reason for them to be separate from each other or not communicating. Or I, I guess he wants this whole marching the army across the the across the world to be an epic kind of thing, but it really doesn't need to be, right? Yeah, that's yeah. a great point. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I, I mean. I guess you could argue, and this is something that they talk about a little bit later, that they're, they're still building their forces and moving across the countryside in this kind of slow, snowballing sort of way is building their army as they go. Um, mm-hmm. It's expensive, but maybe they are in a better position at the end by doing it this way. Maybe. Maybe. No, that's, yeah. that's a, kind of a weak argument, but that's the best I've got. Um, there was something I wanted to talk about. Uh, we've talked before about the idea of religion in this world and the, like kind of the lack of an organized religion mm-hmm. uh, due to the one power and all that. But there's this one scene in this chapter where Egwene is walking through the camp. And it's really interesting because uh, the people around her are, are, are all asking her to bless them or, or say a prayer for them. Mm-hmm. And it occurred to me that in a way she is sort of... Uh, Whatever you like, a high priestess or like a she's the pope. She's yeah, the pope, the head right? Of the church. Yeah, and, and Tarvalon is, is is sort of a Catholic church, like yeah, Vatican analog, right? City. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so yeah, I, I guess there is a bit of an organized religion, and even though there isn't an idea of you know quote unquote God or or anything like that. Yeah, well, they they this believe is the in got. the creator, right? They talk right. about the creator, but they, occasionally they mostly talk about the pattern. Uh-huh. And how the the pattern wants this, or the you know the 
wheel weaves the pattern and the wheel is weaving the pattern in this way or that way. And they think that, not uh, without reason, they think that Egwene or the Elmerlin seat as like the leader of, as the Pope of the magic users who, who literally cha- channel the one power which drives the wheel, which weaves the pattern, might have some kind of influence on how the pattern weaves. Well, they talk a lot about the light, right? Like light illumine you, for example. And, and uh, I guess if you think of light as this divine power, then you could say that the Aes Sedai directly channel that divine power in the one power, right? You could yeah. argue that, that is the light. I don't know if that's the way they think of yeah, it. Yeah, that's but. kind of how it is. I, I think that's why there's... I think Robert Jordan even said it in some interview that that's why there's no real church or organized religion in this world is because the divine power is present. You, you see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, all the Aes Sedai are viewed in kind of a holy light by the by the common folks, right? Like, remember... Well, or unholy light. Or unholy light. That's very true. But, like, when Maureen first showed up in the Two Rivers, like, people didn't even believe... They knew she was real, but she was, like, some far-off yeah. deity or something. Like a, like a magic creature or something that mm-hmm. you sort of believe in, but you don't expect to ever actually see one. Right. And, there, and she wasn't necessarily, like, a... I, I mean, I, I think I recall in the Two Rivers that she wasn't seen as, like, a... A benevolent force, either. It was more just like, be careful because I said I come with a price, you know? Mm-hmm. It's it's a, a, a powerful creature, but not necessarily one that's like out for the greater good, one that's just like tricky. Kind of like Old Testament y God mm. in a way. Or or like, you know, the fairy folk or something like that of, of like old mythology. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So anyway, uh, as Egwene is heading back to her tent, Nicola and Ariana. Uh, brace her about some dark secrets in her past and attempt to blackmail her. Oh my god. Oh my god. You're trying to blackmail the Amarillin seat? Yeah. I was like, what are you doing? I was literally saying that out loud. Like, what is wrong with you? This is phenomenally stupid. Well, I, Nicola's got to be a Forsaken, right? I was, right? I was, no, no, I, I, I wrote that in my notes because there's, there's this moment when they're talking about how she picks up weaves almost as if she already knows how to do them. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. I was like, Definitely forsaken. Yeah. Or, you know, the, I mean, all the Two Rivers people do that, too. And, and we're mostly sure they're not forsaken. <laughs> I mean, Nahid's awfully strong. Doesn't mean she knows she's a forsaken. Yeah, what's, what's the forsaken that loses her temper all the time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of, Robert Jordan's of. dropping some breadcrumbs that are the size of whole loaves, I yeah. guess. Wait, Samael. Samael? Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't he lose his temper a lot? I, I guess mean, he does, true, but I mean, we there know where he is. Nynaeve right? is Samael. Yeah. Nynaeve is Samael. They you heard it here first, around. people. <laughs> <laughs> they don't say Ni- uh, Samael had enormous man breasts. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but but think about it. She's, Huge pecs. No, 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 yes. but think about they this. They said of Samael, in the Age of Legends, he was the Dark One's greatest <laughs> soldier. Also, his gazongas were enormous. <laughs> <laughs> if you think about it, though, he's someone who's always overcompensating, right? So if he's like, I'm going to go as a woman, he'd be like, I'm going to go as a woman with huge jugs. Yeah. It's like, fuck up, Samael. Come on. Dude, he's like the, the totally unsubtle one. Well, what do women have? Jugs. Boom. There they <laughs> if are. I'm going to be a woman, Long I'm a big hair. ones. Yeah. I'm a big ones, man. Uh, so, Nynaeve is somehow. We've settled it. That's good to know. Figured out. And Nicola is some other forsaken. Yeah. She's acting super sketchy. And I, like, Egwene sort of tries to intimidate her, which I guess sort of works. Yeah. But I was thinking you have to destroy her. Uh, at, at this point, right? Like, she's risky. Yeah. yeah. It's funny, because when I was reading this, I was reminded of that this one scene in, I don't even remember which Batman movie, where there's a guy who approaches uh, the, the guy who's running Bruce Wayne's company, and it's just like... Uh, I found these plans that, that it seemed to indicate that 
my my uh, the head of my corporation might be Batman. And he's like, so you're telling me that you're approaching uh, the the leader of this company uh, who you suspect the CEO is a vigilante who goes around beating people up. And you want to blackmail him? <laughs> and he's like, never mind. <laughs> I'll just see myself out. He's like, yeah, you do that. <laughs> That's kind of reminded of that. Because, yeah, I mean, Egwene is, in addition to being the Amarillin, a very powerful uh, channeler, She's right? She's probably the best uh, combat wizard of any of the Aes Sedai, right? Period, right. Because she, she, she trained with the Shanshan. Yeah, she, she was turned into a living weapon. And she hasn't sworn those oaths that say you can't just blow someone's head up. Right, so she could just, like... Kill these two people right now, and then magic away the body, and the end. Yeah, Probably. I mean, yeah. yeah, absolutely. That's well within her abilities, and uh, nothing, nothing really. And, I, don't, her. and I, don't, I thought, I think if she thought that was what she had to do to achieve her goal, Egwene would totally do that. Oh yeah, yeah. Egwene yeah. is like a Terminator. She's yeah. like locked on, stone cold. She's like, I got to do what I got to do, and in this case, I need to pop these heads and you know make these people. A hundred yards underground, you know, she could do that. Right. There's so many weird things going on, because there's Ariana as well, and she has an issue with Birgit. Yeah. Oh, uh, I don't even know what's all up so, there. So I, I, Ariana, <clears throat> since we've known Ariana, she's been, like, latching on to one person after another as an idol, and then getting oh. mad at them. Remember she, like, latched on to Nynaeve for a while, and then she hated Nynaeve. And okay. she latched onto Brigitte, and now she hates Brigitte, apparently. Yeah, no, I remember, because uh, she she was latched onto Brigitte, and Nynaeve got jealous about it or something like that. And then Brigitte was like, I don't care about this person. And Ariana was like, fuck you! You know, and that was, that was kind of it. When, when she left, I think Ariana, Ariana, whatever, did... I don't remember if there was a thing where she was talking about coming along, and Brigitte was like, no, or something like that. But, yeah. Either way, didn't work out well. Yeah. So I guess she's now she's attached herself to Nicola. So she's just a whack job. Yeah, okay. a little bit. Yeah. <clears throat> but they're a whack job who know this fairly mild secret yeah. <laughs> about Egwene and her buddies. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it doesn't seem like a big deal to me, but apparently within the law of the tower, the idea of impersonating an Aes Sedai is like a, a real a real no-no. So even in the Amarillin can tr- get in trouble for that, apparently? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Either way, blackmailing Egwene is a very bad idea. <laughs> So, chapter 10, Unseen Eyes, Icon of the Terangriel Ring. The dreaming one. Yeah, so, Egwene heads back to her tent, and we meet, find out a bit, little bit more about her other maids, who are all just as sketchy as Chessa. <laughs> I know, my notes, is, my notes say, Selene, whatever, is super sketchy and definitely a spy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they're all spies, right? And then yeah. Mary, too. Yeah. We meet a little We meet later. her in the next chapter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I, I don't mean, understand why Egwene keeps these people around, because they're obviously spies. I, th- I suspect... And they're, that, they're annoying. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I kind of think that... It's one of those things where... Okay, think, think of it this way. If you know for a fact that the people around you are going to put spies around you, isn't it much better to know who those spies are? So if you have, like, super obvious spies, then you want to keep those. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean... Because if, if they're super obvious spies, you know, is she going to feed them information and use them? I mean, I would rather hire somebody who's loyal only to me and then just try not to tell them anything incriminating in case they're a spy rather than just try not to tell somebody I know is a spy something incriminating. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I guess And, it and could just because she knows useful. these people are spies doesn't mean there aren't other spies. It's not like you're... They get one... You, yeah. you get one spy. You have yeah. one sli- spy slot. You better pick a good one. Now I guess it doesn't work that way. But yeah, I mean, like, I, I guess, I guess, if she knows that they're spies, 
there there are ways that she could use that to her advantage. Maybe I don't know. Maybe yeah. Or maybe she's just lazy. She's like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> we'll get rid of these. So let's put some more in there. May as well. Yeah. And then Egwene goes dream walking. So yeah, just to, just to be clear, Mogedian is loose and is extremely powerful in the dream. Mm-hmm. And her first thing is, let's go dream walking. Yeah, I'm gonna go dream walking alone. Yeah, this is a terrible idea unless she's trying for the old NDA special. Set yeah. the, the, the trap? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go spring a trap and maybe I can catch Mogetti in that way. <laughs> it's worked the last three times. That's right. It's worked every time in the past. She has no reason to think it wouldn't, right? So she leaves messages for Nynaeve and Elaine, uh, in which I believe she buried the lead. <laughs> a little bit, right? Uh-huh. Do you guys read this message? Uh-huh. Here, I'm look it up, actually. Uh-huh. This is Egwene. Under no circumstances are you to return until you find the bull, not until I can settle a problem with Irene and Nicola. They know you are pretending. I will explain more when I see you next in the little tower. Be careful. Mogedi has escaped. Wait, wait, what? Hold <laughs> yeah. on, hold on. Wait, wait. Really? You're going to do this bullshit like rumors first? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> like Irene and Nicola are trying to blackmail me and also <laughs> the evil murder wizard is on the prowl for you right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I mean, it does seem like the thing that you should have led with, but I, maybe Egwene's intentionally high, bearing a little bit because she's embarrassed. It's like, oh, then Mogedi escaped, whatever. You know, no big deal. Hey, talk to you later. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, definitely bearing the lead. I think it's hilarious that... Uh, Gwen's dream is tracking her through the darkness like a goddamn shark. Yeah, Gwen's like sex dream. <laughs> yeah, like, she's like, uh, but I gotta keep moving in here because this dream is gonna be hunting me down. <laughs> yeah, and I'll end up having sex with Gwen all night. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, like, there are worse things. Uh, yeah, I mean, she didn't say how many nights she spends doing that, right? That's a good point. She's like, I can't do it tonight because I got work to do, but maybe. <laughs> yeah. And uh, then she meets with the wise ones. This is actually kind of a productive talk. Um, you know, she, she settles a lot of information just by talking to the wise ones. She's, she gets a little bit, you know, but I also think it's kind of weird that the wise ones are being so closed lipped about certain things. Yeah. That's, that's their thing now is they don't, they don't want to give her any information about Rand. I guess they don't trust her or, or they think that would be spying. That's like a, against their rules. Cause it would count as spying maybe. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It was, it was a little frustrating because again, another place where they could just settle this right outright. They right. Yeah. They this, could just. You know, have a sit down with yeah. these people who represent Rand. Topless. I like that Robert Jordan says that. Um, they unlaced their blouses. That was how Ia women sat with their friends in their tents beneath the hot sun. You know, topless. Yeah. Like friends do. Yeah, you know, so we're just like, hanging out, take our breasts out. Yeah. yeah. I assume that's that's what women do, right? Yeah, I mean, like All when Jeff and I are, are hanging out with just a bunch of dudes, we just take our dicks out. <laughs> right, like, you know, these pants are really uncomfortable. Yeah, just like get some, get, get some breeds on the undercarriage, you know? Like, <laughs> right, yeah, air it all out, right? It's not uh, yeah, it's some, gross. Yeah, it's, it's it's a little a little ridiculous that that's what they do, but you know, it's, is that why is that not normal? I mean, every time I'm with another woman, we get topless because you know that's what you do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, except you know, and that's why men are different than women because men go bottomless. They don't duck it. Yeah, it's Donald ducking. Yeah, like a shirt cocking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess that's I don't know. That's a Robert Jordan thing. Sure. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> it's just kind of funny. But yeah, it is. Uh, again, it's a little frustrating that this talk with the wise ones would be a great opportunity for them to clear the air or act as a go-between and you know convey information between Rand and Egwene. They could, you know, just say, hey, I'm meeting with Egwene. You want to come chat in the dream where everyone's yeah. like on neutral territory? And then speaking of, Egwene extracts a promise from them not to tell Rand that she is the Amarlin seat. 
for Which very... seems like a poorer choice. Why? Yeah. Yeah. What? What? To what end? Like I said, I think Robert Jordan has written himself into a bit of a hole. He he wants these people to be separate and grow apart and then meet each other in like an epic way down the road. And but there's no in-universe reason why they wouldn't be in constant communication at this point. Yeah. The the the, the distances between them have almost no meaning with tra- with teleportation, right? So. Yeah. And dreamwalking and all, all sorts of other things, yeah, right? Yeah, that's a great point, yeah. And they're even going to be in Andor really soon, right? Where, where Rand spends half his time. That's right. They're passing through. They're going to pass through Andor on the way to uh, right. the Tarvalon, right? Uh, but I, I think it's kind of interesting that Egwene's dream powers have gotten so sophisticated. Like, she is a, a real force to be reckoned with in a dream, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, we see in this chapter an array of powers and things mm-hmm. that she's developed. Everything from, like learning how to do these little instant messages in the dream kinds of things, <laughs> uh, arranging spaces where she can call people to them, and apparently she can even pull people out of their dreams into uh, her dream space if she wanted to, though apparently right. that's a, a big no-no for some reason. Yeah. That's super cool. Yeah. that's. I mean, that seems like a really potent weapon in a place where you, if you are well, godlike you, in this realm, you can pull someone into yeah, your godlike realm. you can turn them into a horse. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> well, you told us about that one. Yeah, it's very strange. And then, after the meeting, Egwene just dreams with a capital D the rest of the night. She mentions that she never does ordinary sleeping anymore. Which I think Which, is a bad idea, right? Yeah, that can't be right. That can't be good, right? Yeah, we know that, uh, we know that sleeping, or capital D dreaming... And uh, all this dreamwalking stuff, while you do get rest, they're not nearly as restful sleep. So she must yeah, be tired so all the time. I wonder if she's like going crazy or if these headaches she keeps complaining about are because she's not actually sleeping. Maybe. I think that would make a lot of sense. Uh, she, and I think that she, even if she knew that, she'd probably keep doing it because she's doing what she has to do kind of thing, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. burning at both ends. But I, I actually like these little prophetic dream sequences. Yeah, it's, it's the, the Robert Jordan signature technique. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, in this case, they're <clears throat> a little focused on a certain uh, boy toy, Gwyn. <laughs> There's like a whole section that's just like, and then I was banging Gwyn, and then, but no, then, then Gwyn was in, you know, he died. Right, yeah, like, yeah, Gwyn is walking towards her, but he's walking on broken glass. Gwyn's choosing marriage. Uh, or uh, or not marriage, but he's also choosing death or a long happy life. We don't or, know which one is which. Yeah, yeah, and uh, so on and so forth. I mean, the ones about Gwen, I think, are not very interesting because I really we can all see where this is going. Right? Yeah, I know. It's like this is. I mean, we get it. This is like you know, there's foreshadowing, right? And then there's like you take a bat that's like written, has foreshadowing written on the side, and you're beating someone on the side of the head. Yeah, right. <laughs> we get it. <laughs> and then Egwene tearing down a wall of Aes Sedai symbols, which. I thought it was she was tying down. It was Gwendolar. Yeah, but they're like well, they're the Aes Sedai symbols. They're seals, like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. My read was that it was, it was just representing like Aes Sedai traditions or whatever. Mm-hmm. She's breaking traditions. Very well could be. Which is sort of, that's not really foretelling. It's more like a telling the present. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Uh, and then Matt uh, reaches up into the sky and catches a firework. That's cool. It's very cool. Yeah, what does that mean? That sounds nifty. I want to know what that's about. I think I know what that means. Catching the firework? But I won't. Uh, no spoilers. No, I won't spoil it. No. Um, and then Egwene being executed, which is, you know, sad. Yeah, I mean, you know. Happens. Yeah, it happens to, it happens to the worst of us. And then Loghain stepping over Rand's body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, it does, again, remind us that we haven't heard from Loghain in a while. Yeah. I wonder what he's up to. What is Loghain up to? Because that guy, that guy's big trouble. <laughs> <laughs> he feels like that, right? Yeah. yeah. See, it seems like something you don't want just wandering around in the world, that's all. Mm-hmm. 
and etc etc there's a whole bunch more dreams yeah oh, but there's some that fucking like female golden hawk that's driving me insane we've been thinking about this hawk and talking about this isn't hawk it, for isn't so it, long it's not, not Fael it's Berlain right it's Berlain I think. yeah oh. Fael's the falcon oh, Berlain yeah. is because of her nose. which is the oh, right yeah the beak like nose that they keep talking about yeah and Berlain is the hawk but yeah but uh, it's annoying they keep bringing it up we don't know yeah, they haven't. It hasn't made it clear yet. Although yeah. I guess, sort of. Wait, wasn't the, wasn't her dream about Perrin that there was a hawk and a falcon fighting over him? Yeah. Yes. Except they were never really fighting over him. Not they were really. Barreling, yeah. fucking with him, right? So, was, oh, was that is that whole dream just about that that set of chapters where Barreling was messing with him? And I think so. Yeah. Oh, like, okay. Yeah, it's disappointing. Yeah, you'd hope be like a power struggle or something political. Yeah. Yeah. Not just like fighting over a piece of man meat. But she dreams all night. Uh, and then chapter 11, an oath, icon of the Black Aja. I think this is funny because I've, it, apparently we have another cross podcast theme, which is waking up with a creeper staring in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at you, Dabe, my elf. <laughs> yeah. Check out MWA if you haven't listened to MWA it. MWAPodcast.com. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Mary, Egwene's third maid, uh, wakes her up and is just watching her as she sleeps. Staring and, into her face. Yeah, and Mary is like a... A mean maid? I guess. <laughs> it's unclear to me if she's actually mean or if she just has a weird face and Egwene's just like, man, her face makes everything worse. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's like, come on, Egwene. There's that's no chill. Come on. That's, she's just got a face like that. It's, she's it's doing like, a good job. Come on. And they bring it up over and over again to the point that I'm like, is... Does Robert Jordan have somebody named Mary in his life that he fucking hates? And he's just like, oh yeah, Mary's face could curdle milk. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, who, oh, are you writing about someone you know? And uh, I, I trust her. Of all the maids, I trust her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because she does, she's not, like, too good to be true. <laughs> she's not good at her job. You know, you, you know you, like, Chess is, like, Chess is the one that you can't trust, right? Because oh, yeah. she's totally. too nice. Yeah, and totally she's, like, forsaken. too friendly. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. 100% of forsaken. But, you know, if you're going to pick a spy, uh, you would not pick somebody like Mary. <laughs> right, yeah. Somebody whose face makes everybody think they, she hates them and is working against well, them at all times. One right. of those people, even when they're helping you, they're still secretly disapproving of everything you're doing. Exactly. And, and again, she might not actually be disapproving, but her face, mm-hmm. her face is just off. <laughs> makes you uncomfortable. So Egwene's army is resting for this day, which is, I guess, the thing you got to do. Yep. When uh, Theodrin and Fowlane, those two former accepted, now semi-Aes Sedai, come in and swear fealty to Egwene. Yeah. This Another is new thing. To Egwene personally. Thing, which is not normal. Yeah. 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 The Aes Sedai don't do that. Right. Although, except for those ones that Rand forced them to do that, or they would get blown apart by murder wizards. Right, right, right. <laughs> but as far as we know, Egwene didn't uh, threaten these people with death that yes. we know of. And she has them uh, investigating the mystery of the missing wizard battery. So I guess these are like NDA trainees. Right, yeah, honorary inductees. But you know, they are not doing a very good job because they didn't bring a single trap. They're not going to make it very far in NDA that way. (laughs) It's true. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, you were out all night and you didn't spring a single trap? Nobody attacked you. You didn't get captured or anything. Yeah, there was nothing like where you were like, oh, you went madness for a moment or you, you slipped into a, a dream you couldn't awaken from. Nothing? Nothing, yeah. Huh. You guys didn't really do a good job. Yeah. I also want to paint out that Theodrin tapped her finger to her lips, which... <gasps> Masana. <gasps> oh, Masana. Oh, shit. Cozy. That's... Oh, Theodrin's definitely Masana. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. If she's not Samuel. Yeah. We're not, yeah. No, oh. not even Samuel. Yeah, but okay. Samuel could be both because you have. When have we seen 
what's your name? Theodrin and Nynaeve in the same place at the same time. I'm pretty uh, sure we, we, have. we have. I don't yeah. think so. But not in the same room with Samael. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh. and, uh, and so Egwene's army is growing. Perfection. Yeah, I, I actually kind of dig this scene because uh, there this like confession where she's like, I don't like you, you know? But I, but I, I want to support you. I, to me, that was like at that moment, I was like, I trust this person. I don't trust anyone else here, but I trust that that yeah. person because saying that is something that could cost her a lot, right? Yeah, and I also buy it because she's like sort of Sedai, but not the the real Sedai that have taken the oaths don't treat her right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so her best bet is for Egwene to succeed, right? Because Egwene is sort of her patron, whether she wants to be or not. Yeah. So I, I buy that they, they, they calculate that their best angle is to stick with Egwene. And Egwene makes a really good point. Like, they're, they're all concerned about the fact that they haven't used the oath rods, and so they think that she won't trust them. And she, she makes the point that I said I lie all the time anyway. You know, they just, they're just better at it, right? Yeah. So the fact that you haven't sworn the oath uh, on this oath rod means I can trust you a little better just because, you know, you're not as good at lying. <laughs> I like the bit throughout this whole chapter with Egwene's... Uh, camp chair that she keeps sitting on which has like a crooked leg <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and it, it's about to fall down every time she sits on it I think that's a really good bit of scene setting from Robert Jordan and you know symbolism yeah, yeah. for sure it was on, on a shaky terrain mm-hmm. uh, and then she meets with Swan Sanche who is having trouble adjusting to being low man on the totem pole yeah I mean, I, and I get that this is something we talked about back when we learned that this was a thing that it's like Power is how you determine who's the best Aes Sedai. And Swan, again, despite having all of these really useful and uh, highly practical skills, is not treated with respect because she yeah. doesn't have and big she, magic powers. She even doubts herself because she's so used to this world where your, your magic ability determines your importance. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. Uh, but, you know, Egwene is like, look, I'm going to change things up. Don't worry about it, you know. Which, which is good because this is this is much better for the White Tower having someone like Swan running something, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, they're trying to take away her spy network, which is right. dumb, right? Yeah, that's a bad idea. Yeah, Swan is good at running a spy network. If she's not good at anything else, she's really good at running a spy network. And that doesn't need any power. It use, doesn't right? matter if you can use magic if you're running a spy network. That's yeah. right. Oh, and I want to point out there's another scene where Mary pops in and she says something like, uh, I think it says, the woman's face could could uh, sour the mint tea and turn the bread to a rock or something. Like, <laughs> I was like, damn, okay, whoa, dude. Like, okay, you don't like you her. get it. <laughs> wow. You don't like her face. Chill on Mary. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, Ramonda and Lelaine ambush Egwene. They're getting on her about Delana. Yeah, how does an MLN get anything done with all these needy sisters around? I guess you don't. This is just the job. <laughs> kind of, yeah. But yeah, the, so Delana is uh, trying to put forward a proposal to say that Elida is Black Aja. Yes. Yeah, which is... And Delana is Black Aja. Is definitely Black Aja, yeah. So... So this is probably from the Forsaken, right? Yeah, this is this is Erengar or Halima or whatever we're calling her. That This is her her plan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just to divide the, pa- the, the tower, you know? Absolutely, yeah. I, I, as far as I can tell, Delana's sole purpose is chaos. Trying yeah. to keep the White Tower from reassembling. Yeah, but of course, all the Aes Sedai that aren't Black Aja are like, hell no, we're not going to talk about the Black Aja. Like, that's <laughs> that's the idiotic idea. Yeah. Well, is it? I mean, like, definitely calling Elida Black Aja is a 
pretty clearly untrue and be uh, a great way to keep the tower from being able to be reunited. But but is admitting the existence of Black Aja bad for them in the in the big way in the big picture? Hmm. It's a good question. I, like to me, it seems more like a religious tenet for them. Like the Black Aja can't exist because it like you know we can't believe that the Isidai could do such a thing. But yeah, I mean like I. I to me, it seems like admitting that they have a problem is the first step to making sure they fix this problem. I guess, well, it probably is that, but I, from the external perspective, I don't know. Because they, they have this image, right, that they yeah. try and project of the White Tower being good and all-knowing and, and whatever. Yeah. And maybe... Uncorruptible. Yeah, and maybe if they... Maybe it's not about admitting that they're evil Aes Sedai. Maybe it's about admitting that Aes Sedai make mistakes mm. are fallible in any way. Yeah, I mean, that, that makes sense. Because we know they don't like to do that. Yeah, no. for sure. Uh, I could I could see the admit the admittance of the existence of Black Aja weakening their position uh, in the world. Yeah, interesting. Um, and and also I think the fact that Delana wants to do it tells us that it's a bad idea. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, just the fact that Delana wants them to do it. Uh, but you know, I mean, and also can they? They can't lie about that, right? They, they, they don't know that Elida is Black Aja, so if they're not Black Aja, they can't lie. And if, like, like if, if they're saying Elida is Black Aja and Elida is saying she's not Black Aja, one of them is lying, which, like, that inherently undermines the Aes Sedai because their thing is they can't lie. Yeah, but we know for a fact that Black Aja can lie. We don't know yeah. why or how they circumvent the oath, but they do, right? Right. Hmm. It's one of those things where it's like, what if it's telling the truth? What if it's lying? You have to tell... What, what question can you ask? <laughs> if I asked Elida whether you were black, would she say yes or no? <laughs> there you go. And then you're eaten by a tiger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Always with a tiger. Yeah, none of these people, by the way, respect Egwene's authority as Amrlaseet at all. Mm-hmm. Like, they talk over her, they treat her like a child, and she sort of just has to suck it up. Yeah, and I guess she gets kind of fed up with it, and she's just like, you know what, you guys sort it out, and we'll talk about this later. Yeah, because she rides out with Gareth Brine to go see something that one of his patrols has found. Yeah. Which, which we is, don't find out what it is. No, no, I, I have no idea what that could be. But we also, they're also, uh, was it Myrell is there? Yeah. And they're talking about some something that Swan has found hints of about Myrell. Do we know what that is? Is this? I'm going to guess, I do not know, but remember Myrell is the one that has land. I yes, I know that part. So I think that's it. Okay, it's like they that's figured the out that she's got land somewhere, stashed uh, okay. somewhere. Interesting. Because he hasn't showed up in Saladar, right? No, we know that he's here. Wasn't that know. what happened at the very end yes. of the last book? He showed up in Saladar. Yes. Oh. Having carved and fucked his way halfway across the world, <laughs> but but we don't know um, who saw him. That is a good question. Somebody did remember. see him. Maybe it was Myrell. I remember somebody took him in. Uh, maybe it must have been Myrell. I think it was, yeah. Because he was, he was, he was going to her. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, I think that's it. It's just but she's, she's keeping, keeping land on the deal for, for some reason. reason. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess just holding him until Nynaeve shows up. Is that the idea? I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Wayne wants to get at her about it. Yeah. Which I mean, I guess that's good. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. But uh, it, I really like this conversation because I really like Gareth Bryan. I know, <laughs> so yeah. Cool. I want more time with this guy. Yeah, because she asks him, how do you plan to take Tarvel? And he's like, you know, nobody's asked me that until now. Yeah, but here's my plan. And he's got, yeah, he's got a whole plan. And, and like, Mirelle's there and she's like, what are you talking about? You can't take Tarvel on. No one ever has. 
And and Gareth Vaughn's like, yeah, I'm gonna be the first. <laughs> I mean, but meanwhile, like that. Wayne's thinking, like, actually, yeah, she knows. Apparently, the there's been some revisionist history going on there. <laughs> yeah, which you, she really should tell Gareth Bryan about that, right? I think directly that would be relevant, important. right? Yeah. It's like, yeah, apparently there are two times that people have taken Tarvalon. Yeah, and this is. Hey, you want to awesome. make him feel bad, right? You want him to be feel, you want him to be excited. <laughs> yeah, you're the first, first bro. Yeah, yeah. But there's it's a little, it's cool, but also a little silly that Gareth Bryan is like, yeah, yeah, well, like we're gonna jam up the harbor, and then we're gonna block the bridges, and then we're just gonna lay siege, and they're all gonna starve. And Egwene's like, the people are gonna starve. <laughs> yeah, that's what happens. This like, bro. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's what you do. <laughs> and Gareth Bryan is like very cool about all. Of it. He's like, yeah, that's what a siege is. <laughs> what do you think I was gonna do? Just attack? Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't work. We have, we know yeah, that doesn't no. work. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, but, but and I was thinking about it. I, I can't little... think of a better way to do that. Oh yeah, totally makes sense because I Ice and I have to defend themselves, right? Yeah, they, they can't attack with the one power. You should not attack an Ice and I because that's that's when they have permission to use their magic to blow you up. But I thought it was naive of Egwene because you know she's leading an army there. Clearly, a bunch of people are going to die. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then she starts looking around at all the all the soldiers, like, and she gets little you know charming little vignettes of soldier life, and she's like, I wonder if that guy's going to die. I wonder if that guy's going to die. It's like that guy can't even shave yet. He's going to die. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Right. It's funny because this is like a theme, uh, an emerging theme, right? We had Rand doing this, and now in this earlier in this book, Perrin was doing this, and now it's Egwene's turn. Yeah, I think it, it's also kind of in character of Egwene because this is her plan. This is her whole thing. Is like you're going to move there, force the issue, start a fight, go to war. Yeah. But she never considered the consequences. Yeah. No, you're right, and uh, and and she she says if these people die, they're dying for me because it's her her plan. Yeah. Yeah, probably not for her. They'd still be sitting in Saladar. Right, yeah. Or at their homes, or wherever, you know. Oh, sorry. Like, the, the, the whole Aes Sedai camp would still be yeah, sitting in Saladar. Yeah, they would, yeah. Yeah. So, that's it for this episode. Next time, we're going to cover chapters 12 through 13 of Crown of Swords. I am Jeff Lake. That's at Jeff underscore Lake on Twitter. I'm Alice Sullivan. That's at LSM Sullivan on Twitter and Blue Bonnet Cafe on Instagram. I'm Mike Sparkman. I don't have any of those things at all. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please drop us a line at hello at thedragonrered.com. We enjoy hearing from you. Please share us with anybody you think will like us. Please give us good reviews wherever you got this. Please check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash club. Please like us in real life. We're just so likable. Until next time. The, the light, light illumine you. you.